Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go. Hey, welcome to our podcast. I want to start with a confession. Um, wow. This is... Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, last week, I was a part of a men's group, and the youth pastor led. And uh, he gets up and he says, uh, "Turn your Bibles to Luke 15. We're going to talk about the prodigal son today." And slam dunk. <laughs> immediately in my my heart, my mind, I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Don't we have any other passages in the Bible? You know how many hundreds of times I've gone through the prodigal son." I mean, Im- immediately. My, it's one of your favorites. Like, ah, it's my, one of my favorites. But it's it's like your favorite restaurant that you've gone to two or three times a week for the past six months, and you're like, oh, really? Oh, we're going there again. So it would, to me, it was, it's it's a familiar friend that can also be overworn, and so. I've, you and I went through a whole book on it, and we're delighted to learn Henry some new things and. And really explored some very cool, cool things, and so I I tried to ca- just put that initial response on the shelf and say, "All right, okay, fine." Hey, there's a young youth pastor who's being moved by this passage. Let me see what's moving him. Right, I'm going to try to engage. Right? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Let me get, let me go ahead and just shake the etch a sketch of my initial judgment and say. Yeah, I want to lean into this story again. I've heard it hundreds of times. I've studied it. I've taught it. You and I have explored it. Is there something here that I can still be blessed by? And it was really interesting because he started off describing the ceremony in the ancient Near East where they would actually, uh, the father and the son would stand face to face and there would be a clay pot uh, between the two of them. And the father would take the clay pot and he would smash it. And he said, son, this our relationship is like this clay pot. It's broken. It cannot be repaired. You are no longer my son. And that would be kind of the, the end of the relationship. And Interesting the son would go, ceremony. Go, yeah. And the son would go wander off. And so as a group, we discussed the parable for a little while and talked about how unexpected it was that the father ran to the son, right? Unexpected should could almost be the title of that that parable, right? Un- Unex- unexpected. unexpected could be the title of Jesus. Un- exactly. Thank you. That's exactly right. It was unexpected that the father ran because that was an embarrassment to him. It was unexpected that he blessed that son with so much grace. And so as my mind is thinking about that, a question comes up. Is unexpected... For for God, an event or who He is? Well, we are the things that we do repeatedly. So I would say uh, it's a little bit of both. So we can point to the pronounced events yes. that are unexpected, that are routine, in that. Um, how often are you surprised by scripture and by Jesus and by God and saying, that's not how I would have done it. And that's the entire point. That's the entire point of a spiritual life is none of 
the ways that people are operating, notably uh, Jesus and and God, it's not how any of us would default. So when Jesus approaches the woman at the well, that's one of your favorite stories. That's not in anyone's uh, initial zip code. If you took somebody who wasn't well-versed in scripture at all, and you built them up with every significant biblical event, and then you stopped right before that unexpected turn, and you said, what do you think happens next? Realistically, that person gets that wrong 95% of the time or more. And then when you tell them what actually happened, they'd probably scratch their head and be like, what? What? Why? How? This makes no sense to me. And that's the entire pursuit of spirituality is to use your phrases, changing our operating system, because our earthly operating system is that of fear, that of scarcity, that of selfishness, that of um, win at all costs, my way or the highway, the list goes on. And that's why a spiritual pursuit is challenging because it goes against everything that our instincts, at least on an earthly plane, uh, we're betraying our earthly instincts for a higher purpose. Yeah. And that is incredibly difficult. Why would that not be tricky? Why would that not be confusing? Why would that not be perplexing? Why would that not cause us internal strife as we're trying to do the unexpected out of love and out of uh, compassion and grace? It's hard to have an appreciation for all of this as well until you try it. Like nothing's really difficult about this if you keep it theoretical yeah, we can we can get the right answer on the test, right? A hundred percent. Okay, because I'm gonna agree with you. Um, Jesus' whole life was unexpected, right? Every every time we turn, I mean, even I think we mentioned in one oh, of from our birth first, to death. Yeah, yeah. One of our first podcasts, he says, "Peter, come, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. Come follow me." Peter's like, sweet, and we're going to go start this amazing ministry, and the first place Jesus takes him is into a leper community. And I'm sure Peter was like, this is unexpected. I really was expecting to be ministering to the guy in the corner office, and I didn't expect this. So if we take that principle of God just doesn't do unexpected events, he is unexpected, and responds so differently to the way that we would actually respond to that. Let's revisit that ancient Near Eastern tradition of the broken clay pot, right? If the father in this story was standing in front of a clay pot and his son, would that father have broken the clay pot? An earthly father versus the father? The father, yeah, we know it. No, the the son breaks the pot every time. We know this. So, so you're saying that the father's not going to break that pot? No, that's that's very much an earthly 
tradition that yes. existed back then. Right. You know, that's not the nature of God and the, and the nature of the Father. That's the nature of the Father is the prodigal returning home and saying, "My son died and is uh, and and lives." Right. You know, I we buried you. We mourned the loss of you. My heart you know, was heavy for you, and now you're back, and it's a miracle. And I've never really stopped loving you, but what a joy it is to me that you're here now. That's not the father who throws a pot on the ground and, and does it in a ceremonious fashion. Right. That's not the case. Right. So what does that do for you? Because if you, like many of us do, put ourselves in that story and we're encountering a father that at our departure was unexpected, that the, the son's looking at the father fully expecting him to be like every other father in the ancient Near East and smash the clay pot. And the father just stands there with a look of love. And then as you described, the son probably said, fine, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. He, he picks up the clay pot and smashes it. If we realize how unexpected the love is of the father at our departure, if we understand that's who he is, how does that shape our day? How does that move our soul? I'm just thinking about the entire relationship leading up to that ceremony. And if we had an accurate portrayal of who the Father is, we're not even breaking the pot. Maybe we take a quick break and say, Pops, I need to take a couple laps around the the farm. I'm a young man. I got a lot of stuff going on. I, testosterone levels are a little too high. I need to go for a jog, but I'll be back. Thanks for, for letting me do that. Think about the father in, in the prodigal. He let him go. Yeah. He, he didn't, he didn't say, Hey, servants of mine, go grab some rope. Uh, we are going to bind my son mm -hmm. and not let him do a, a darn thing that he wants. Yes. I know best. Yes. That's, that's a tricky part to me is the father loves us so much that he'll let us have that freedom and he'll let us figure out a lot of yeah. lessons, uh, for ourselves mm -hmm. because he has an understanding that, Oh, you'll, you'll be back. It's, I need to let you experience whatever it is that you're going to experience to feel the hurt. And then you'll come to understand who I am and who I've always been. And that'll change your entire reality. It's, not nearly as satiating to come into an understanding of who the father is unless you really need him. Cause I don't think, I don't think we know what we need until we maybe don't have it. Yeah. You know, the prodigal, he, boy, did he have to experience mm -hmm. a 
series of letdowns, defeats before he decided, wait a second, I think I might be blowing it. Yeah. How does that affect my day? I want to go back to your question. How does it affect my day knowing that the father's not the one who's crushing pots? It's really hard for me to answer this because I've been on the walk for a little bit now and I know that the father isn't a pot smasher. So I think about people who don't view God and Jesus in the way that I've been so blessed uh, to come into the sort of understanding that I do. If you had asked me this question a couple of years ago, I would have probably a an illustrious response of shock, awe, and, you know, being spellbound and just saying, what? Hmm. But does that negate the fact that it's a monumental so how, shift yeah, in, in the no, way we're I'm viewing curious, God? I'm, I'm also curious how it, how it falls on you. Because how, it, how, we will never be transformed by just thoughts and truths out there, propositional truths. God is love. Okay, that's just a sentence. It's a statement. It's a concept that will not transform me nor my relationship. If I experience that God is love, if I understand that, if I accept that, if I bask in that, now transformation is happening. Well, let's think about the access point. There are some people who are so blessed as being able to experience that firsthand in a palpable and profound way. And there's other people who experience it through others, you know, through mature believers and mm-hmm. say, you know, maybe somebody leaves the church for a while and there's a lot of different responses to that person if they want to come back mm-hmm. and maybe they've been out of it for a long time and maybe they've been partying and just doing all the wrong things and treating themselves and treating others like garbage and they're tired and they come back as a congregation Uh, at whatever church, there's going to be a wide variety of responses and there's going to be some that are with the father. There's going to be some that are without. Mm. And what do you think that person, who do you think that person is going to gravitate towards the person who says like, Oh, you really screwed up. Or the person who simply gives him a hug and says, I'm really excited. You're back. Mm. So maybe experiencing that can come through another person. Yes. It can come through a a lot of different ways. We experience God, I think a lot of times through others. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, how does, how does this all land with you? This is to kind of go back to your initial thoughts about, Oh, it's, we're dipping into the prodigal again. I, you know, the spaghetti's good. It's, it's my favorite. I, (laughs) I know what it's like. And you know, yeah. Open and closed case. I think I was, my attention was grabbed in my heart, my soul, my mind about this concept about the father isn't a 
pot smasher, as you as you referred to it. Because mm-hmm. I sat with that. I didn't just want that to be something that my mind agreed with and said, oh yeah, sure, you know, that's not the way God operates. Um, to me, our response to God loves you so much, he's not going to ever break that relationship between you and him. He's, he's not going to do that. To me, my response, my heart's response to that, my soul response to that, is a really important indicator of whether I'm really understanding the Father or not. Well, how many of us would say that the Father did smash the pot when we were, in fact, the one that smashed the pot? Look at that ceremony and be like, Dad, you smashed the pot, but you smashed the pot. Yeah. Right? That, right. That's, I think that's the flawed understanding, mm-hmm. is the pot's smashed, right? We've got a smash. We have got a smash pot on our hands. That's right. But the story that we're telling ourselves about the ceremony yep. is, is an important one. It is. And saying, oh yeah, dad set that up. Yes. He set it up. He smashed the pot. When it's, it's a lot of projection. And of course we're going to project onto God and yep. say, you let me down. Yep. I had to do this. This was BS. I didn't like living at your house. Is this was trash. Yeah. And it's such an interesting, interesting story. I mean, you're you and I are both uh we understand the importance of stories. Yeah. Well, and to me, it's important to realize this is just who the father is, because maybe the father was just having a good day. You know, I mean, I <laughs> as the prodigal is processing it. Maybe I got lucky, maybe he had a really good day, had a good phone call, the market was up. <laughs> And he had this little fleeting, okay, I'll be gracious to you. Welcome home, son. But if if grace isn't an event, it's it's who the Father is. If love isn't just an event that sails in once in a while, it's who the Father is. That changes my my understanding of him. But how many times do you have to experience it to believe it? Aren't we stubborn? I could see the yeah. prodigal experiencing that yes. that love and that reception and saying like, exactly like you're saying, like, oh, that, that's refreshing. Good thing I caught him on it at a, at a really great day. But he, the story doesn't stop there. It does uh, in terms of the scripture. But if we're thinking about the reality of the situation, it's a process. It's a process of the son spending time with the father and understanding who he is and saying, Oh, wait a second. I didn't catch him on a good day. This is how he is. And that, that may have taken years. The reality is, is that may have taken years. And maybe it just takes as long as we're willing to let it take because that process stops when we start acknowledging the Father and who He is. If we actually start letting that love in and transform us, the desire to run away to a foreign land starts fading and disappearing. Why would we want to be anywhere else? Why would we want to be anywhere else but the Father's side? What, what, uh, to me, and again, I keep coming back to Jesus and his temptation. 
Satan kept tempting him for all of these things, money, wealth, spectacular, respect, uh, you know, likes on your Instagram, <laughs> whatever it may be, all of this stuff. He's saying, all of this is out there, and I'm, I can give it to you, which is a point for debate. And Jesus says, no, being with the Father is the only place I want to be. Does the devil ever stop whispering, though? I wish I could resist temptation in the way that Jesus did. Yes with such steadfast yes. uh, resolve. But it, once again, let's revisit this. How are we resisting? Are we resisting by our own strength and willpower? Are we white-knuckling it and trying to be obedient through those moments? Or are we looking at those moments as tests, questions of, hey, who do you really believe the Father is? Because to me, that's that's the battle. The battle is who do I really believe the father to be because if i believe he's a pot smasher guess what i'm going to go on road trips all the time because i'm not going to have that foundation of love i'm not going to have that safe place to run back to i'm going to have a question in my mind what if i can go back and just become a hired person i just want religion i just want a little safety i just want a little bit of god i'm going to live on the outskirts of of my father's property what if the prodigal after the celebration was nowhere to be found, and the father started looking all over the house for him, and he couldn't find him, and he wandered down to where the hired people were were living, and he found his son, right? I think that's where I've lived most of my Christian life. I'm, I'm no longer worthy, no longer worthy. Come, you are my child. Accept that. Embrace that. Live out of that. Let's celebrate together. And after the celebration, I slink back to be with one of the hired people because I don't really belong. I'm not really a son. I'm not really a child. I don't see the way that you're viewing this as being even remotely uncommon. I feel like this is... Why is it hard for us to stay once we're back? That's the that's the big question. Yeah. Um. And it might just be because we're human. Yeah, That might just be the unfortunate yes. reality of it. Yes. And we have to find a new gear of learning how to accept the unexpected. What if we learned how to accept the unexpected? This is an unexpected love and grace that the Father is lavishing on us. And for some reason, we are choosing not to accept it. To hold those things we've done in our past over our own heads when the father's like, I don't see that. I've chosen to remember your sin no more. How small of a group do you think it is that comes back and stays back and is immediately like, Oh, this is, this is just the bee's knees. This is, I, I can't believe it. I'm never leaving this place. Um, I want to dwell in the love of the father. I'm never going to, I'm never going to leave it. I'm never going to lose it. Cause that is the logical thing. And the emotionally satisfying thing to do is be like, Oh wow, I have all this love and forgiveness and grace. And I'm back where I need to be and want to be. It's actually a pretty small group of people that I would imagine couldn't completely have that transformation. What do those people go on to do? Are they ministers? Are they prophets? Are they people who simply just walk around in a state of, bliss, whimsy, and connectedness, ready to respond to situations in 
a complete operating system of love and they just have a a new life. There's something that is why isn't that appealing to us? That's that's the question and that's the paradox of this whole thing is why wouldn't we all want to be comfortable, safe, blessed, forgiven, appreciated, uh, connected. There's, you know, the list of adjectives completely just like it's inexhaustible, but this seems to be a question that you and I have come back to time and time again. And we can't come up with any good answers. Like realistically, we can't, and so that's why it's a spiritually confusing and a soul uh, contorting kind of question. Where it's like, wait, it seems so obvious that I would gravitate towards pure love and forgiveness and being a part of something so much grander than I could ever anticipate. So what is? What do you even do with that? Yeah. Well, I think your questions, your insights are very helpful and accurate because I think there's a lot of us in that in that boat. And I don't know what my answer is going to be in five years, but I know what it is now. And that is the Father is offering me his arms and an embrace today. And if I don't say, okay, and allow myself to be embraced by a father who isn't loving me as an event, but that's who he is, I'm not going to be able to walk in that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to move through this day with love, with an eye for listening to the story of other people. But if I just say, okay to what he is offering me. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. I I will allow your reality and your truth to start becoming my reality and my truth. You, you say you love me. And this happens in every relationship, right? <laughs> At some point in the relationship, there's a tension when there's a disagreement. And you have to trust the other person's words. Hey, I, I didn't, I didn't. If I said that, I didn't intend it. And I have to trust your words. I have to be able to trust the words that you are saying as a reflective of the true reality of your heart. Okay, I'm going to trust that. I'm going to trust that you didn't intend to stand me up, even though I felt like you intended to stand me up. I'm going to trust that you didn't intend to stab me in the back, even though that's the way it felt. Okay, I'm going to trust those words. We're talking about an unexpected father that unleashes upon us a love that will never end. And we have to accept that. So that you can do what? Or so that you can be what? I can be the best version of myself, which I don't know even what it is yet. But I also don't want to get caught in the battle of being too pragmatic of, okay, if I do this, what will happen? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I do know that it starts with me merely agreeing with the Father and what he's saying about who he is and who I am. 
I think most of us go through our days not really acknowledging, okay, I'm going to let you be God. I'm going to let you be this unexpected father who didn't smash the pot. I'm going to let you be that. And I'm going to say yes to it. I'm going to accept that today. I want to, yes, I want to be close to you. I, where, where else would I want to be? kind of a relinquishing of control in a lot of ways. I think a lot of us are hesitant to do that. To be like it's no longer my program that I'm yeah. that I'm running. Um when I think s- many of us have bought the lie that we are unlovable, that we are not worthy, we're not capable and we are holding on to that as the prodigal did. No, you don't understand. I've done some horrible things. I know. Well, I'm going to do some more horrible things. I know. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's that fear and that um, self-fulfilling prophecy that the stories we believe about ourselves and about God, we will take the necessary steps to confirm those beliefs rather than to have those uh, challenged, even if it would make us feel accepted and yes. and better. Um you know, if as a child you felt like you weren't good enough, as an adult you will contextually, you will try to recontextualize that into as many different relationships and situations as is humanly possible to conform to the core fundamental belief that yeah. I'm not good enough, and yes. here's I'm building a case against against myself for my idea against myself. Um, yeah, when we have those, this gets into the the whole psychological idea of attachment rupture. And you think about the smashing of the pot, which we are in fact doing as being a major attachment rupture. And if you've ever had uh, something go wrong with a family member or romantic relationship, like it really, really hurts. It really, really hurts. It leaves kind of a wound in your heart and your soul. And that rupture communicates so much to us about who we are and that it's okay to leave us. We weren't good enough. We deserved it. All of those things. I mean, if you've ever had, if you've ever felt betrayed by somebody close to you and everybody's had that experience, I, I would think, how do we say, well, that's not what's going to happen when I go to the father. Like that's, that's the most unexpected piece and unexpected doesn't even begin to describe the immensity of the father's love and the father's forgiveness and the father's grace. We probably don't possess the words in any language to describe it. And that's unfortunate, but that's also beautiful Mm -hmm. is unexpected and, you know, Grace. These are words that are powerful and meaningful words, yes. but frankly, they don't even scrape the surface of it. No, if don't. if we're being honest no. with with ourselves, no language really can't contain and describe accurately the experience of a love that will hold us, even when we're trying to wiggle away. Well, it should leave us speechless, right? If we if we yeah allowed it to indwell us and sink in, 
and um, and grow and blossom, we should just be in a state of either a loss of words or just awestruck where no words, yes. we don't even try to explain it with language because it would be an exercise in futility. Mm-hmm. And when other people see you and the frequency at which you're vibrating, you know, if people like using that language or the space in which you're occupying on a spiritual wavelength that has nonverbal effects and it has palpable, uh, subtle and sometimes significant, uh, inaudible, uh, you know, yeah. Bangs of the drum. Yeah. I'm just trying to think through how we can look towards the rest of our day as if God were truly an unexpected father. Um, You mentioned earlier, Jesus is unexpected. But yet, as I picture the rest of my day, it's very expected. (laughs) There's, There's not a lot of unexpected in the day as I picture what's going to unfold the rest of my day. So how can I include the possibility of the unexpected beauty of God showing up in the rest of my day. Allow it when it happens. Cause you're not going to be able to predict it. Right. right. No, exactly. Like, yeah. Good luck predicting the, the sure. unpredictable by definition. That's impossible. Exactly. Um, but go back to the way that we're wired from an earthly sense. We're meant to, yeah. I mean, we've got, a big old brain and we're trying to detect patterns and use those patterns, extrapolate and predict the future. And if that's what we're doing with most of our brain power, maybe it's just knowing and open, being open to the possibility that we could be ambushed by beauty. Let's yes. use a phrase of yours, ambushed by beauty and just say, I want, to notice that when it happens because yes. I, I can't create it. No. Right. No, I can't go looking for it because the harder I look, the harder it'll be to find most likely. Yes. But maybe just the prayer is God, please help me notice uh, the magnificent and the impressive that yeah. comes through you into my day. And maybe it's just that subtle. Maybe it's that, that simple and, it's a lot less work than, than we would yeah. think it required. Maybe, yes, I agree. And I, I would just want to add, maybe let's just not notice, but experience it. Because I think mm. too, too many of my years, I've just wanted to see God working around me like a voyeur. <laughs> you know, just, like, oh, look over there. God's, oh, he's doing something over there. So cool. God's so good. God's so good. But I just want to notice it kind of more from a distance. I don't want to be a part of it. And maybe that's that's part of the unexpected because Jesus is always inviting us to be a part of it, right? The feeding of the 5,000. Hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> I'm inviting you into the unexpected today. There's going to be a service opportunity that will blow your socks off. Just come with me, be with me, and do what I tell you to do.
you know, we've talked about a handful of spiritual experiences that I've had, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even described them as spiritual experiences, but both on and off the podcast, I feel like I've told you stories and then you highlight it for me and you say, Hey, did you notice that that was like a major God moment? And that's another piece that might be true most of the time is that we have trouble seeing God anywhere but in the rearview mirror. And sometimes we need other people to point out and notice for us and with us as a collaborative experience. And I think that's important that we're connected with believers and people who have open eyes, open ears, open ears, open hearts because I can't tell you how many times I missed these quote unquote spiritual moments. And then you said, what, what, what happened there? (laughs) Wait, do you realize that that was like pretty major? And maybe I'm not doing that well enough for you when it's actually happening. Um, You have a tremendous gift in seeing those moments unfold. And you're probably having these experiences all the time, but, sometimes our biggest blind spot to ourselves and to God is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we don't understand or appreciate or even see the story that's being authored because either we're looking outwards or we're looking in the wrong direction within ourselves because that's just the way our brains work. Yeah. So anyhow, I started with a confession (laughs) and, and I end with, uh, I was blown away once again by how rich, scripture is and how amazing Jesus is. And I loved how earlier in our podcast, you said, Jesus is unexpected. He is unexpected. That's just who he is. He rides his donkey, getting ready to go into Jerusalem at the end of his life. And people are laying down their cloaks and saying, Hosanna and glory to God in the highest and all of these incredible things. And he gets to this little place where he can look down over the city city full of people who have rejected him and who are about ready to kill him. And you know what he did? He flipped him off. No, 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 he didn't. Because that would be expected. Are you kidding me? You really want me to ride down there? These people are going to kill me. He wept over the city. He cried and said, oh, if you guys had just seen, if you had just understood what was in front of you, if you just understood how unexpected the Father is, how unexpected I am that this Messiah was going to come very differently than you expected. And that's all I want to do today. I want to try to create space for me, for you, for anyone who's listening to this, to see God through a different lens. And maybe to say, okay, okay, I'm going to let you be unexpected in my life and in my circumstances. Thanks for joining our podcast today. Hope you were blessed by a question or an insight. And uh, if you were, as Alex often says, send it to a friend. It's really easy. I'm not very techie, but I can send a podcast to someone. That's not too difficult. And uh, maybe they need to hear something about an unexpected God that loves them more than they could ever imagine. Have a great day.